Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another edition of It's Everything with me, your hostess, B.B. Sweetbriar, is here where we promise to bring you everything, every time for everybody. And of course, we are the Sunday weekly segment of the Michelle Meow Show. Meow! And we are so pleased to be that. And it is now, what, May the 15th? Is that May Day? May 15th? Is that May Day? No, no May Day? I thought there was like a May Day, like May, May, May Day. I don't know what that means, but I think I really do think today's May Day. I really do. Uh, Kenny's too young to even know what May Day is. But um, but anyway, so uh, happy May Day. (laughs) Oh, it's May 1st is May Day. I've been told May 1st is May Day. Okay, well. So 14 days after May Day, here we are. And I'm really glad that we're here. We're only about, what, six weeks away from from San Francisco Pride, so, um, um, you know, that's always exciting. But more importantly, we have a major election coming up in the primaries uh, to our uh, presidential election this year here in California. Um, We're going to be talking about some things related to the election this year because for the first time, number one, California really will have possibly some say in the primary, normally our primary is so late in the year that they've already decided the candidates for the um, uh, upcoming general election in November by the time it rolls around to us. So it's kind of like, you know, but I think we'll probably have a hopefully a large turnout. And not only that, we've got so much going on in our own state um, that is on the ballot. So I'm, I hopefully we'll have a big, big turnout as well. But leading up to that, the reason why I brought all that up is because our guests are so related to uh, that whole voting process um, on our show today. So um, we're going to first start with, uh, well, let me go to who our second guest is. How's that? That's a better idea. And then I'll introduce our first guest. But our second guest will be um, someone who's involved with actual making voting a little bit more, number one, easy and hopefully produce uh, a little bit more interest um, in those to go actually, you know, kind of motivate and, and, and vote because our turnout numbers have been kind of dismal over the last few years. Um, but I'm going to be speaking with Deborah Cleaver, who is a part of Vote.org, which is the new um, launch um, that is created to kind of introduce high tech to the voting process and we'll talk a little bit more about that and what all that means later on in our program but first up i'm going to bring on someone who i love dearly and has always got an opinion uh, when it comes to politics and many other things in our community and he happens to be the political analyst for gloss magazine here in san francisco so i'm going to bring to the show right now sean sullivan hi sean so hi Hello, BB. How are you? And welcome back. You've been on a little bit of a uh, vacation, have you not? I, I, I have been all around the world, and it's been super exciting. And everywhere around the world I go, everybody wants to talk about the American election and what is wrong with us. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I ask so you to do me? Can I ask you to do me a favor? If you are on a speakerphone, can you um, either talk into? Yeah, because we're getting a lot of feedback. I think on this okay. end. Is that better? 
that better? Oh, that's much better. Thank you. Because okay, I, just... I want the public to hear all you got to say because it's very important. Yeah, because like, you know, as I, in the introduction, I was saying how, you know, usually when we get to the primary time in, in, to vote in California, so much has already been decided before we even, yeah. you know, get to the to the polls. And so I think that leads to the disinterest of people actually um, registering in time for the primary and to actually motivate them to go out and vote. But this year is a little bit different um, as we come to our time to vote in California. Yes, yes, absolutely. We have, uh, despite our, our size and diversity as a state, we are often yeah, relegated to June and not a lot of action happens then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2008, they made a change to allow us as a state to vote back in February. And so we did play uh, our large portion in the process, at least for the Democratic side. But prior to that, and since that, I'm not quite sure why they, the governor and the legislature allowed that that term that time to expire. So it didn't really matter in 2012. But we're seeing that it matters now. Now we are having this June, and people are excited about. It. I'm excited too. But I really, you know, it's January, February it was not too long ago, and there was a real outcry from people about Iowa mm-hmm. and New Hampshire being really small states, being not very diverse states, uh, you know, ethnically to the population of America at large, why are they getting such an early way in? And they have. And that was part of the change in 2008. And, uh, you know, I hope my, my word to activists, regardless of who they have supported, is stay involved and let's, let's try and bring this back for California being a, uh, an early deciding state, because we really uh, represent so much of America, mm-hmm. and we are so diverse. And uh, if we want every community to have an equal say uh, in this process, it is really better for California uh, to be leading the way, as we do with so much uh, around issues. Uh, in our country, but you know, uh, we should be able to do that. But you know, what's what's so interesting to me though is that you know, over, you know, oh, the last twenty years, if not even more. I mean, our 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 voting turnout numbers to me are just been so for for a country which boasts its um, democratic process and boasts its. Um, uh, uh, ability for its uh, public or republic to have so much say in how they're governed that we do have such low turnout numbers by the citizens because, you know, um, voting is a privilege and a right. And um, I wish we, we just don't exercise it enough. And I think some of the things that have gone on with our progress over the last few years, particularly as it relates to LGBTQ and uh, the things that we have, um, the rights that we have been so um, – um, that have not been ours to exercise in the past are now some things that we can do. Um, and, and that's because of the help of our allies, even more so than sometimes those who it actually affects. And then what we're seeing because of that is now that there's other legislatures across the country who are trying to either overturn some some things, maybe legally or not legally, as we're seeing mm-hmm. with North Carolina. But, I mean, because of that, because... 
even though these are rights that are effective, so many of us don't go and vote on those. And that's why I think so many people think that they can go and make these, these oh, you know what? I know that this is on the books now, but we're going to go ahead and make another law now because really um, we can convince those allies to change their minds because those are who actually made this happen. Uh, right. uh, because LGBTQ people at large really aren't coming out in droves to vote. And so, um, I, you know, I think this is really, we need to somehow mobilize our communities to vote you know it's just like it, even if it's not like you're gonna you're never gonna get a, accomplish a hundred percent of what you hope to happen but we're never gonna get anything if we don't you know nibble away at some of these and these things and the only way to do that is to actually vote all the time not sometimes right. but all the time and right. um, I don't know how we can do that um, do you have any suggestions of how we can mobilize our people to get more involved well you know that's that's a great question. I think if I had the answer, I'd <laughs> you'd be rich. <laughs> Everybody would hire me. Um, but I, of course, I have ideas. And you know, but what is really interesting about what you just said is you do um, progressives, people who care about LGBT issues, people who care about reproductive rights, we talk about it uh, for so many months and days out of the year. But we didn't show up to vote in the same numbers in the 20. 14 election or the 2010 election. So when people say they're disappointed that Obama didn't get more done or that wherever they're upset, it's, well, you know, what, what did you do to mm-hmm. vote? And uh, because I always believe that in what Howard Dean said when he was running for president, that voting is a C plus in uh, mm-hmm. the school of democracy. You have to be out there. You should be doing more. And so did you encourage other people to the poll? Mm-hmm. I think what dispirits people all also is, uh, there's just a lot of uh, negativity out there, and people, when they see the gridlock going on, they just blame everybody. Mm-hmm. People are so busy with their lives that they don't take a deep dive into, oh, it's this Republican Congress that's holding up everything over things like funding uh, Planned Parenthood or uh, bathrooms in certain state legislatures. So uh, it, it really is on us all to, to take a deeper dive. But I think definitely the parties could do a better job of reaching out to people and helping them understand the differences. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing this administration take on uh, North Carolina and their, uh, you know, ridiculous, uh, homophobic, misogynistic legislature and governor uh, violating all types of civil rights. But, you know, you wouldn't see this with a Republican administration. I mean, could you just imagine um, any of George Bush's uh, people going out there, his attorney general stepping forward in the way that Loretta Lynch did Mm -hmm. uh, for speaking specifically to trans people? Uh, Because for eight years, they didn't. Around don't ask, don't tell, and every single issue that was important to our community. And the same goes true with the, the Senate. And I wrote about this recently in Gloss. You know, if we had a Democratic majority in the, the U.S. Senate, there would not be the same lack of response from the federal level uh, on the representative side. So the courts have already ruled, and they'll be brought back to the courts, but Congress is not stepping in saying this is nonsense, and so they've left it to Obama to do so. 
Well, what about, and later I'm going to be t- uh, bringing up some of this stuff with my next guest, um, Deborah Cleaver, who, you know, is totally involved with meshing the political process with, you know, today's most progressive technology. Um, but what about bringing up to date, you know, the way back in the past on how politicians or government and used to speak to the public through media has definitely, you know, the it definitely should be changing, but it doesn't seem like it has. It seems like the way that um, uh, we, the politics, the politicians speak to the public is still back kind of archaic versus, you know, where we are as a, as a society and how we actually receive information. And so I think sometimes there's so much going on that people aren't really, even though it should be easier to get to know it, but because those people who have the information to put out there aren't using that technology to get it out there, we don't really get it the same way. I mean, we don't watch NBC, CBS, ABC the way we sh- we used to those networks on television, yet those are the same mediums that are used by politicians to speak their piece or get their information out. And we don't watch that stuff. Right. You know, so it's like, what, what we need, do we need to do more? Do politicians need to do more in order to get, you know, uh, to help get us motivated by putting information out there that we're actually going to receive? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think you see a lot of the campaigns starting to move into the social media realm, and they need to, because mm-hmm. that's where people are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they need to really speak to the issues uh, that people care about. And, I, you know, it, it's difficult because, as you said, we need to chip away. Sometimes uh, people get disillusioned by chipping away and not getting big chunks of progress. Mm-hmm. But, on uh, you know... Fortunately or unfortunately, that's the way most social movements like LGBT rights uh, move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people in other communities uh, will say, wow, LGBT really uh, started catching people's attention in, uh, with the AIDS crisis, and now look at how far the community has come. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's lots of work that led up to that, too, but um, we have seen significant changes in a short period of time. Um, and I think we are now expecting that. We are expecting that from our political leaders, um, and we're expecting them to communicate in the ways in the w- where we are. Yeah. And, and where we're talking. Well, yeah, where we are. Speak with us. Speak with us in, in the language and in the form that we um, we are currently now sort of in the, in the backwoods. But we're going to take a quick break, Sean, and I'm going to come back, and I want to talk with you a little bit about some of the races that we have going on locally here in San Francisco yeah. as well as in the state. And uh, so hold tight for, there, for us a little bit, and we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with Sean Sullivan here on It's Everything. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, 
Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you guys for staying with us. Um, if you are just joining us, this is It's Everything With Me, your hostess, B.B. Sweetbar. We are the weekly Sunday segment of the Michelle Meow Show. And uh, with us today, we're kind of on a political tip here. You know, we do have our primary coming up here in June here in uh, California. And um, we're just talking about some things that about the, the political process and the voting process and some of the significant things that are going on in San Francisco in California that will be on this coming June's ballot that we need to talk about. And so to, joining me now is Sean Sullivan, who is one of our political analysts here in the city, in Bay Area, and of columnist for Gloss Magazine. Sean, we were talking a little bit about um, uh, some of the things that are leading into some of the things that are happening here locally uh, that uh, will be on the ballot this coming June. And um, uh, I kind of wanted to kind of approach that with you because you just recently wrote about some stuff in Gloss that pertains to our Democratic uh, County Central Committee. And there's like, seems yeah. like, like I, I love it. It's just like, seems like everybody and everybody is running for a seat on, <laughs> on this, which is kind of true. But I, what I really liked about what you talked about is kind of how, and I see this how, you know, my idea about these committees or that committee is that it is, it should be, I think, a little bit more grassrooted as far as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the local school teacher or the local business owner in our community and those types of things that are more involved in politics and, and kind of grassroots wise are on these committees. But what we do see is somewhat more of your professional politicians that are running for these types of seats. And that's kind of, I don't know how to feel about that. And, and you kind of write a little bit about that. Why don't you share a little bit more about what yeah. what you think about that? Thank you, BB. So there's about, I think I wrote, 60 different people running for the Democratic <laughs> Central Committee. And it, it, it's hard to get your arms and, and head around because there's two assembly districts in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. they're carved up by assembly districts. Mm-hmm. And so you have... As, I, as you alluded to, as I wrote about in the current issue of Gloss, 
in the past, it really was grassroots people, and, and it was a, it was a way for people to get involved. It was a way for you know people who were involved but weren't necessarily office holders. Mm-hmm. And then uh, about six years ago, there was a group that came forward that uh, took over uh, with a majority of people, and and uh, now supervisor, but then. Uh, just a uh, citizen and former supervisor, Aaron Peskin, former uh, state senator, Cal Migdon, uh, and others put together a slate of progressives to put their stamp on. Because they found, everybody finds that, as we talked earlier, a lot of people are not plugged in, but then there are a lot of people who uh, will vote. And because we're so busy with our lives and we get a 1,000 uh, or so it seems uh, mailings in our mailbox, uh, around election time, around this time, starting right now, and people go, I don't know, who am I going to vote? Well, this guy says this, and they all, and this mm-hmm. woman says this. They all sound good. Who's a Democrat? Well, mm-hmm. in San Francisco, everybody is far left of the National Democratic Party, uh, but it's the Democratic Party endorsement, and that people be like, well, who's endorsed by the Democrats? Oh, okay, this candidate, I'll vote for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people are relying just on that because they don't have the time to process. To shift through all that information. Right, right, yeah. I got it. Yeah, it's like it's easier in our minds to think, well, yeah, who's my party st- standing behind? And that's who I'll, and that's who I'll vote for. Um, I, right. I totally get that. And so the party and the party de- designation has become uh, this, uh, golden brass ring that everybody now wants because you can uh, in, really influence the process, get your side elected. Well, this year we have seen more than ever more people stepping forward. And, uh, you know, because then after this sort of progressive group of uh, individuals took over, uh, the more moderate, if you will, still not electable in many places in the, state, in, in the other 49 states, but there's another group of folks who we deem more moderate according to San Francisco politics was uh, elected, and their candidates received the endorsement uh, in the last cycle. Mm-hmm. And so uh, now we have uh, a real uh, who's who, as I wrote. So you, uh, you're not running, which is like so surprising to me because there's so many names out there and in some cases it's just someone who's really popular like mm-hmm. no one no one knows exactly which side if they're more progressive or they're more moderate but they've been around for a long time you've heard their name uh and so that's why they're on the ballot and mm-hmm. they're lie with other people um and then you have other folks like uh, alex rosenthal who I, I believe she ran for office uh against supervisor bevan duffy some years ago but uh, she has been a long-time person on the committee. This is what happens. You're on the Central Committee. Maybe you want to run for office as a way of the day to build alliances. But now you have, uh, you know, London Breed, who's our uh, city councilor supervisor. Right, president. Uh, who is the president of the board, also running. And uh, Arlo Smith, who used to be elected. So, you know, the names go on and on. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just everybody, but uh, Alex Rosenthal, what I thought was a thoughtful proposal, which in this cycle, people are like, we're not ready for no thoughtful proposal. We want to get elected. <laughs> and it, it was, let's make everybody who is an elected already in San Francisco, the board supervisor, an ex-official, which means they're a member of the committee, but they don't get their vote. Well, they weren't really interested in this because they want to weigh in on the process. And what's 
what's also flawed about that, which I didn't get to write about, but it is very concerning to me, is we're a community that says we want to get money out of politics. And so San Francisco does an exemplary job of allowing you to a, a maximum of $500 per person per candidate. And if you are somebody who likes to play the political game, you're a lobbyist, you're a developer, um, even if you're a union, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you're only allowed to give to a limited number of people in the race. So we had like a dozen and a half people running for mayor last cycle. But you could only give to three candidates. In ranked choice voting, you get three choices. But you don't get to give, you don't get to play all the favorites and give uh, to all these people. To all those people, right, right. The, the problem with the San Francisco Democratic Central Committee race is that the limits are $5,000. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't think anyone's going to give me $5,000 to run for Democratic Central Committee. Who knows? But when you're an elected and you, you know, I would have to say, uh, as someone who's run for us and been involved, like $500, $700, it's hard to buy someone's vote when you have to raise several hundred thousand dollars to get elected. You know, thank you very much for your gift. And yes, hopefully, you know, we can, we can, you know, have mutual support for each other. But if you're, if you're really allied with one issue and somebody who gave you $500 is on the other side, I don't think that's enough to move you. But $5,000 mm-hmm. is, a, is a horse of a different color. Mm-hmm. And so that's the supervisors of San Francisco have separate committees where they are uh, definitely not ignoring the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law around campaign maximums for their races is $500. Um, I find very disturbing, and I think is really not allied with, with our progressive values or why we even um, have these kind of maximums uh, in the supervisor and mayoral races uh, at all. Mm-hmm. And so what happens to the person who is a local activist, who's involved in the party, interested in the party, uh, has been on the committee for a while, they don't have the same range of influence. They're represented, you know, they get their friends out to vote. They get the, you know, they demonstrate their, their, you know, independence and objectivity. Well, nobody cares about that right now. They don't even have the, the money to get that message out uh, because they're running against people who raise $100,000 for a race which you people are going to pay attention to. And so I think that is really unfortunate. Well, you know, I, I also see, too, some of the things, particularly like looking over some of the names that uh, of people who are running. And um, it just seems to me like what I used to think about of these committees are kind of like what we were talking about. This is, is a good way for someone who's even trying to get more involved in the political process of things um, by being more involved in a decision um, uh, process where, I mean, where this committee definitely has um, some cloud and decision-making areas. And, um, you know, so you're a grassroots person in your community. You become a part of this committee. And, and as you grow and grow on, you may become a part of, of running for an, an, an elected office um, through this whole process. But it seems to me like I see more and more people who are have reached either um, – 
term limits or have retired supposedly and those types of things who are then now going back and getting on these committees. I don't know if it's to stay relevant or to um, because they don't want, you know, it, to me, it's not allowing us to kind of progress as things changing. You know, that's what what's what term limits do. All other yeah. things is that let's, you know, thank you for your long tenure and pushing us forward. Now we need to have pass the torch on to another crop of energetic, strong minded, good willed people to get involved with it. And this kind of me to me is, is not allowing that to happen when you keep having people who've been involved with politics for 25, 30 years taking on these these lower leveled, I guess is a better way for me to say it, um, kind of um, committees when these are really meant for those people in our direct communities to be more involved. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's a kind of a catch-22. You want them, you know, um, you want people who are experienced, of course, to be involved and, and help drive things. But to me, it just seems it limits, you know, my, my, my school teacher and my um, nurse that works in the hospital who's heavily involved. It, it just, all those activists out there, they just don't have the ability to get on these committees to make a difference. I don't know. I maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong. You're right. You know, John Burton, who is the chair of the California Democratic State Party, mm-hmm. um, was a, the state senator representing San Francisco and was the Senate pro tem, the leader of the Senate when he was there. He was a Congress member before then. And he is now running for Central Committee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Angelia Alioto, the daughter of a mayor, mm-hmm. former supervisor, candidate for mayor when uh, Gavin Newsom was running in 2003. Uh, where he made her deputy mayor uh, regarding homelessness, some of vast name recognition and involvement, also a candidate. So, yes, to your point, it, it, those two will probably get elected, and what mm-hmm. is because they have great name recognition. But what does that do for the nurse or the, the kid that's just out of college, was maybe his college president, uh, student government president wants to get involved. Mm-hmm. There's no role, you know, unless he comes from a moneyed family where he can spend all this money uh, to battle against the name recognition of someone who's been uh, a household name for 30 to 40 years, what chance do they have to make on a process? And that's such a disillusionment for those people. It disenfranchises those people. And I think it gets back to the original point of, like, why aren't people voting? Mm-hmm. Because even in our our progressive city, it seems like it, the whole thing is rigged. Yeah, yeah. Boy, Sean, I, we could, you know, you and I always get to talking about things, and we could just keep going on. And I so appreciate having you as a voice out there um, in the Bay Area because, um, you know, as you said before, all of us are do get busy, and I do understand that. Don't get me wrong. We do know we live in the age where I think our technology is, I don't know what came first, the technology or our, our schedules, or did our schedules push technology? But, um, but you know, so I, so I know we, we love to, um, you know, gravitate to our activists in the community who definitely uh, have a voice and let things know, and you're one of those people so i appreciate it and Thank I, you. and and i hope that i am giving you a platform to actually even reach more people with some of the things that um you know i think people need to hear um then you know uh on the show so thank you very much we're running out of time and, and i need to m- yeah. move on but i do want to say that we do know that registration deadline for um 
to being part of the June. When, when's Election Day? June the 7th? June 7th. June 7th. Election Day. May 23rd is the last day. It's the last day to register. So um, I would so, say some people are really finding that they're not uh, registered to vote or they moved or so mm-hmm. forth. And I would say do your due diligence. Just go quickly to the uh, California Secretary of State webpage and find out if you're registered to vote. Don't make the mistake of going down there. Okay. Uh, even if you're not. And if you're um, a vote-by-mail person, which I am and recommend, if you haven't gotten uh, that uh, within, you know, if you haven't gotten that by now, uh, you need to check in to make sure that they, uh, that you are still registered to vote and have that. Okay. You should be. Should, things shouldn't change, but I've just seen too much of uh, alarm and concern from people who are paying attention. Yeah, and I think and it's well worth it. I think it is too. I think you're right, and we're gonna we're gonna address some of that with our next guest about um, making it easier for you to um, be involved uh, electronically and online, so that you you know as, as you're talking about it, is the ease in which you shouldn't there should not be an excuse of not being able to by easiness um, to be registered and whatnot. And I'm we're, our next guest is gonna talk. So thanks a lot, Sean, uh, for being Thank on the you, show. Baby. We're gonna to take another brief uh, brief uh, commercial break and when I come back we'll be uh, joined by Deborah Cleaver and we're going to talk about vote.org we'll be right back you're listening to the progressive voices channel on tune in Please help us grow. Like us on Facebook and share us with your friends. Find out more at Facebook.com slash Progressive Voices. I'm Heclina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years. And uh, over the past couple of months, I just opened up my club, Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody and that's just kind of the attitude and the the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know, you know, it's funny because I still need, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true, you know what I mean? Like I walk in there and and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, could I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time. So you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it, I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always like like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it, you know what I mean? This has always been my attitude, um, just to entertain people. And so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity. And, uh, and, you know, don't let others dictate how you should behave or think. Uh, you can always go to uh, sfoasis.com to find out about all the entertainment and nightlife that we have going on at Oasis. If you want to see drag, we've got that for you. If you want to see some queer hip-hop parties or queer dance parties, we have that for you. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far.
Well, hello and welcome back. As always, it's always so nice to know that you stick around and are waiting for more of It's Everything. Brought to you by me, your hostess, B.B. Sweetbriar. And I want to thank again Sean Sullivan, um, who is a political columnist for Gloss Magazine, uh, for joining us earlier in the program to talk about um, kind of the, the political climate that's out there right now, in particular um, about the Democratic uh, uh, County Council, uh, was it committee, the uh, the central committee, excuse me, um, and um, it was just great to, to hear from him and, and, and his insight about how we um, local activists sometimes find it difficult to be more involved because, you know, some people get up there in, the, in that elective uh, position and they just don't want to give away. They just don't want to give it up. They, their term limits come and then they start running for a lower level type of committees that don't allow our, you know, our local teacher and our, our local principal or, you know, mom who, you know, has a lot to say and is very active in their community to get involved in the process. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting. And, and of course, we talked about our primary uh, here in California our, on June the 7th that's coming up and um, some deadlines that those who we need to meet if you're not registered to vote. And it just leads a great segue for my next guest who has just launched uh, a new thing called vote.org, which is aimed to um, kind of slash or to do away with those barriers um, in the voting process and, and to be the largest ever online voting hub. You know, it's kind of like your one-stop shop thing going on there but i'm going to bring her on to talk more about it i've got deborah cleaver on the line how are you i'm great how are you oh fine for those of you who don't know uh deborah uh, but i'm sure you do um uh you know she's been a pioneer in the silicon valley uh tech world for for years and, and making things happen for us out there and uh, so tell us you're a founder of this vote.org and i briefly kind of mentioned kind of the concept of this but why don't you kind of delve a little bit more on number one where what kind of sparked you to do this and to bring this in you know to the the forefront for us to be involved with, and what does it really do? Um, sure. Okay, so the origin story actually goes back to 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a slightly partisan moment right now. It was <laughs> late at night. I was on the East Coast, and uh, Florida had just gone blue, and as far as my friends and I were concerned, Gore was now president, mm-hmm. and everyone but me went to sleep. So I was awake and alone hours later when Florida went red. Mm. And uh, those of us who were old enough to remember this, remember that that election seemed uh, shenanigan heavy. Mm-hmm. And it wound up in the Supreme Court. And all I could think is this is what happens when voter turnout is so low in America mm-hmm. that the vote in a single county can swing a presidential election uh, lead to a president who in turn led us to this like massive war mm-hmm. that is still ongoing. And so basically votes in one county altered like world history. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, this seems broken. Um, and that is what led me to start working at the intersection of technology and democracy in 2004. And here we are, 2016, just launched vote.org and our mission is to build technology that increases voter turnout. And we would specifically like to see 100% voter turnout in America. Well, you know, that's in where the, we're and, going. And that's one thing that we talked about earlier with uh, Sean Sullivan, or at least I brought it up, because it, it does seem like to me 
um, that as we have progressed via through technology in the way that we run our world and we run our lives, you know, and yet the information that comes about through, you know, politics and the messages that people who run our government are trying to get out to it or our candidates and uh, changes and everything, they seem to use an archaic way of um, trying to get the public involved. I mean, you know, I, I brought up the media and I'm thinking, you know, all these people are having debates on NBC, CBS, all these network things that most people that I know don't even watch. And, um, and then so even though they might be able to pick it up on the back end through another type of internet um, online service of some sort, by that time it's like old news because I've heard all the slashing in, in my social media, so I don't even want to go and look at it on my own. You know, it's just like, it's like we're not, it doesn't seem like the politics or the way politics operates have kept up with the way we actually run our lives. And it seems like what you're doing is trying to do that, infuse uh, you know, today's modern technology with our lives and our ability to be involved in politics to hopefully get us more engaged. Is that kind of what you're doing? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> Yay! Uh, you're, you're great. I think actually you should just be doing the press circuit because <laughs> everything you say is spot on. It's 2016 and we live in a digital world and voting is analog. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything you just said, like, you know, debates around network TV. I don't even own a TV. Right. I don't own a TV, <laughs> you know, on my laptop. And I am pretty typical for people in my age group and younger. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have cable. We don't have TV. We expect to use our phones when we do anything. You know, right. we bank using our phones. We check our email using our phones. Uh, but then, you know, you try to do anything related to voting, you're going to wind up at a website that's just not usable on your phone. So you can't even bring it. You can't even bring it. You can't even bring the website up clearly on, on your phone. <laughs> you know, it's like, you can't. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. And, you know, we just want to start modernizing elections so that they match the way we live mm -hmm. our lives. And we believe people absolutely do want to vote. And they absolutely do want to engage with the system. And as we can use technology to make it easier, more Americans will vote and they will vote consistently because that is what Americans want to do. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Particularly this next generation that's coming up. I've, I've, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I'm happy to see it. And I'm, number one, I'm just happy that I'm around to see this type of uh, uh, people ignited and excited to um, definitely, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to see protests again. I'm happy to see mm -hmm. those, you know what I mean? I, I love that. And th this next generation is definitely, you know, the ones who are so heavy in technology, you know, phones and are, that's, their whole lives are on a phone, you know, everything, pictures, cameras, everything, you know, how we even have the um, uh, crime, people vote videoing uh, crime happening in their communities mm -hmm. on their phones, you know, everything's like that. And so it seems like we really need to to have all this available just so that this generation can continue with this this great energy and this great fight. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Now, you actually received, or Vote.org re received some type of grant funding to help with your uh, getting this on, online, can, on board. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, sure. So we were recently accepted into the Y Combinator 
um, accelerator mm-hmm. out in Silicon Valley. You know, I, I don't know how much you know about that. Oh, you're in San Francisco. I right? am. I you am. Know. I am. Yes, you know about this mm-hmm. stuff. You have like the world's greatest like tech accelerator. And, you know, we met with them and they gave us this big grant and a ton of support because, like, they can see, obviously, based on what they do, all the ways that we can, like, make democracy easier Mm -hmm. by plugging in technology. So that's, like, a big thing that just happened for us recently. And, you know, we're working with Y Combinator to spread the word, to, like, really, you know, reach out on all these uh, digital channels, reach young voters where they are and radically increased voter turnout. So that is uh, the most, probably the most exciting source of funding for us to come up recently. Great. Um, and, and, and Vote.org is, is actually headed up um, from a organizational type of standpoint uh, by the former uh, president of Rock the Vote uh, with Ashley um, Spillane. Um, and how did, how did you connect with her? So Ashley, okay, from an organizational standpoint, it's actually, I'm, I'm the head, I'm the okay. CEO. Ashley is the chair of the board. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the way that's relevant is that for the past decade or so, I have been working at, like, startup mm-hmm. um, in Silicon Valley. So we are a lean group. We are agile. We are very quick to respond to, like, changes. You know, we see things online and we respond to it immediately. Ashley is this millennial civic engagement expert, um, and I've, I've known her for years. We've worked on voting projects for years, and I, I asked her, I said, hey, would you join the board? You're invaluable, and she said yes. So we have me leading up all the tech, tech efforts, and Ashley, you know, really understanding how to re- reach young voters, millennial voters, um, where they are. Well, I'm going to take a online. Yeah, I'm going to take a quick break. So hold that thought, Deborah, because I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back and we're going to delve a little bit more into that and to and actually the importance of absentee voters and how Vote.org can help with that and ignite, you know make that easier and and the other tools that Vote.org ha- actually presents to the public. So we're going to take a quick break and and I'll be back uh, with Deborah Cleaver with Vote.org. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. 
When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. Well, welcome back, everyone, and thank you for staying with us during our, this, we're entering our last little quarter of the program today, and this has been so exciting to speak with my earlier guests and Sean Sullivan, and definitely continuing, continuing our conversation with uh, Deborah Cleaver of Vote.org. And Deborah, before we left, you were talking definitely about the involvement of Ashley um, Spillane in, 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 um, her, how she knows, has her pulse, her finger on the pulse of how uh, the, the generation, the now generation and the generation coming up um, are involved in, in, in anything that they do and how technology is related to that. And vote.org kind of addresses the lack of technology and kind of our voting process and our political process here. And um, so what are what you guys kind of notice the three tools that um, vote.org provides for its users. Um, sure. So everything we do works in all 50 states. So that's mm -hmm. important. Um, the first tool we have is a voter registration tool, which makes it as easy as humanly possible for you to <laughs> register to vote using your phone, no matter where you are in the oh, country. What? Easy, easy. And isn't that important because we do have so many people who now are in jobs which take them abroad a lot or, mm -hmm. you know, at different states all over the, the union. I mean, it's just like it's really people now don't even need to live in a full apartment. You just need a kind of a box that, <laughs> you know what I mean, that you can just kind of hang a few things in because they, are, they really are on the go. Speaking of someone who definitely lives like that, it's like on the go all the time that you don't really even spend any t any length of time just kind of in a communal <laughs> environment anymore. I don't know what it is. So it's like having the easiness to kind of, like you said, from, from your taxi cab to your next flight, be able to register to vote is really kind of important. <laughs> you know, we've, we've timed it. It takes about two minutes. Oh, see, like that's... It's, so it's longer than one minute, shorter than three. Uh-huh. And the second tool, and you're starting to hint at it, we have a tool that helps people get their absentee ballots. Mm. If you can't vote on election day, like in person for whatever reason, that's totally fine. You just mm -hmm. like sign up, you get an absentee ballot, they mail it to you, and then you just need to mail it back so it arrives on by election day. Right. And you we count the votes. So, you know, I know for a lot of us being on time, a little bit of a challenge. The votes get counted on election day, everybody. So that's when your ballot's got to be back. Well, the thing, and, the, and let's, let's spend a little bit of time on that absentee ballot thing because, you know, we were talking about the, the, um, the turnouts being so low. Um, mm -hmm. for decades and and it doesn't seem to be getting it hasn't been getting any better 
and it, it, it is, I don't think it is related to apathy. I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's a disinterest of people. Like, like you said, you, you know, people are out there interested. It's just that we're making it so difficult and, and that might be a political ploy. I don't know. I, I, I have to say that I have to try and have faith in the system to the point where they do want people engaged and they do want people involved, but the, it just, the process doesn't allow them to be because, you know, I, I have to vote between this hour and that hour yet I work this particular job that doesn't allow me to do that or as we were speaking I'm not even in town for for me to vote in my precinct area I you know all those things come up more regularly than I think people know and um, to have the ability to have an absentee ballot so easy I did it for the first time um, the last election, even though I was able to vote, uh, you know, by the regular courses, I wanted to see how easy it was for me to vote by something like that. And I didn't have to leave my home, literally, you know, mm-hmm. and it was so easy. And it, it, it made it made me not stress out over vote day. It made me like, you know, I was like, OK, it's done. It's all right. After about getting an hour, like try and squeeze it into a particular period of time. You know, I did it early. I didn't have to do it on the day of election you know that type of thing because you never know what's going to come up so let's get it out of the way early i don't have to worry about june 7th coming up and something comes up where i have to go to the doctor or see a friend or whatever you know what i mean so it's 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 really important that we have a process that makes this that part of it very easy so since you and i both live in california i'll let you in on something california lets people sign up to vote permanent absentee and mm-hmm. for every election they just mail you your ballot um and that's how i vote and it's super convenient because you can drop it off in person at city hall or like at your county clerk whatever so basically it comes automatically you don't even need to think about it fill it out at home you know gives you time to look up all the propositions we have a lot of those in california yes, you can be an informed voter you can use the internet and then you just drop it off as long as or mail it back but i often just drop it off because I'm down by City Hall all the time. It's an incredibly convenient way to vote. And basically the entire West Coast is moving towards vote by mail. You know, you got Oregon and Washington are entirely vote by mail and they have some of the highest voter turnout rates in the country. And I think so. that's real. And you've been involved with another organization in the long distance voter, um, you know, for years and, and kind of revolutionizing that. And um, so I'm sure some of that experience and, and on a low uh, budget, I mean, you guys had a major impact with that organization and, um, you know, and it, you know, didn't have a whole lot of money to, to work with on that over the last eight or so years. And so um, is there something that you can do? Are you bringing some of that experience to vote.org as well um, in trying oh. to getting more people to register for these absentee ballots or? Absolutely. So you have done your homework. So yes, uh, I started an organization in 2008 called Long Distance Voter, which was designed to make it easy for people to vote by mail. And uh, last time I added the numbers, about three weeks ago, we've had over 700,000 people get their absentee ballot through our site um, over about eight years. And in terms of the money that we spent... It's, it's a very small sum of money. It's probably what uh, a single software engineer would make in a single year in San Francisco. Um, so, you know, and it's the reason it was so uh, relatively inexpensive for us is that 
it was an online project. Right. We used online technology to reach people. Um, and we built it, just we had a hunch that people were trying to vote absentee and just didn't know how. This was in 2008. And we had our first half million visitors within six months wow. on $5,000. So wow. I, what we're going to do this year is we're going to roll all the amazing information and the technology that came out of Long Distance Voter right into vote.org because we want it to be the one-stop shop for everything you need, Yeah, you know, with voting. Yeah. Um, so Long Distance Voter is about a week away from just rolling everything over to vote.org. It's already there. It's there on both sites right now. But everything you need to vote is going to be at vote.org. Now, you just launched this on, what, May 4th, so only, you know, a couple weeks ago. And so far, how's it been getting that, making the public aware that, you know, this is available uh, to them? How how are you guys going about doing that? And, and what is it that people such as myself and the media can do to help that process for you? I mean, I would say spread the word. You keep saying vote.org, and that is amazing. Um, you know, take to Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and let people know. And for our part, um, we have we really rely on search engine optimization so that when you Google anything related to voting, that you find our site mm-hmm. right at the top. Um, and I'm sure you have a lot of fans out there, and you should let you should let your fans know because I mean, really, a lot of this stuff is word of mouth. Yeah. Um, and our site's easy to use. It's very friendly very accessible to everyone and like we want people to you know use our site use our resources because really making voting as easy as humanly possible as well, easy as we can in 2016 yeah and i and and thank you for doing that it, it's just so you know when i received the email about um vote.org i was extremely i got i was just so timely it was like really you just do not know how i was like oh my gosh i have got to get you on the show because it was so perfect and um i i i am looking forward to you know it being very successful and reaching a lot of people and just making it uh, making an impact on uh, making sure people get more involved and to keep those who are currently involved still involved because the more you make it difficult for those who are already working, they're going to start, you know, wandering away from the political process if we, we continue to be working in an archaic world um, as far as, you know, making the voting process uh, more, more difficult than it should be or making the registration process more difficult than it should be. Uh, and, and really, though, those those who, the people who are most disenfranchised, um, generally their their best avenue to access to anything is going to be through an online or the computer type of vein. That that's going to be, yep. you know what I mean? Is that's going to be their quickest way? And it just, you know, this is absolutely wonderful that we are able to have like you said this one-stop shop and 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 um, reach as many people as we can so thank you so much ever for being on the show on here on it's everything and we're going to continue to follow up and we'll follow up with you before we probably get to the uh, general election in november to see how things are working and and you know and just make sure people are reminded that vote.org is out there so thank you again 
Um, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. And I want to thank you, public out there, for always uh, tuning in to us here on TuneIn.com on the Progressive uh, Voices Station. And, you know, we are always here for you. So if there's anything that you would like us to help uh, bring to the public um, because you're interested and you think the rest of the, of the world would be interested, please make sure you drop me a line at It's Everything at BBSweetBriar.com. And we'll definitely look at it and try and bring someone on on here to talk about it but until then i'm gonna say goodbye and i hope that you tune in next week and we'll definitely always have something interesting because it's here where we bring you everything every time for everybody goodbye